Welcome back to the Cloud Assessments Podcast. My name is Christoph Limpler, and today I'm joined by Phil Zona, one of our assessment architects here at Cloud Assessments and Linux Academy. And in the previous episode, Phil was talking all about his challenges and the quest that he's working on. Uh, specifically, I know he's working and focusing a lot on some security stuff. He's also got some other things that he's focused, uh, focusing on in the future that he might be able to tell us about. But uh, I do know that you've got or have had some interesting experiences building these challenges, especially when it comes to different AWS services. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so interesting is a nice way of putting it. I have had some straight up problems, things that I didn't understand. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes on AWS over the last month. And um, if you uh, follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me um, getting upset about these in real time. But, um, you know, I've kind of compiled a list. Uh, it's a longer list than I thought, actually, of different different things that I've done or tried to do or, you know, didn't work or don't make sense. What's your Twitter Twitter handle if anybody wants to to keep up with that? Uh, it's just my first and last name. It's at Phil Zona, P H I L Z O N A. I know that a lot of the stuff that you ran into is stuff that everybody else has to run into, and sometimes even repeatedly. Like I hate to admit it, those are the worst mistakes when you you have that mistake, and then maybe two months later, or, or not, I'd say mistake, like you run into an issue, and two months later you run into the exact same issue, and of course you didn't document it for whatever reason. I never document stuff. I'm terrible at that. I know you're a lot better about documenting than I am, especially with your background. Um, but I'll forget to document it, and so two months later I spent another two hours trying to figure this out. What were some of those issues that you ran across where you kept? You know, you're like, man, I, I can't be the only one that's had this issue. Or like, is there anything that really pops out in terms of issues? Yeah. So, I'll, okay, I'll start with um, with a really silly one, and and I'll preface it this way: it it seems silly in retrospect. I mean, it's always like the missing semicolon or or something kind of dumb like that that you realize. But for a lot of these, you have to make the mistake to even think about it. You either do it right or you don't, and it's not. It's not necessarily a dumb mistake, but it kind of seems like it after the fact. Um, so here, here's something kind of silly that I did. I was setting up a uh, CloudWatch alarm for status check failed on an EC2 instance, and I had uh, set it to greater than or equal to zero. And I, yeah, and it has to be greater than zero. Um, so, so why is that? I get why, but if somebody's listening and is still scratching their head, like why, why is that an issue? Why is it actually an issue? So for status check failed, um, you're looking for the number of times that an instance has failed its status check. It's going to be either zero or, or one because it can't fail more than twice. If it fails, then it's, then it's done. Um, if it fails greater than or equal to zero times, it's the CloudWatch alarm is going to just constantly be triggered. It's it's going to trigger that alarm in all cases. It's always going to be true. Basically, there's no case yeah. where it can't be not true. Yeah. So I thought I thought I had done something seriously seriously wrong, and it turns <laughs> out that I just don't know my operators. So that was that was kind of ridiculous. I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you how long did you take to realize that that was the issue. Uh, it took me a solid 20 minutes to to understand what was going on, which is a little longer than I'd like to admit. That's not, I could see that being even longer than that, though, to be honest, because the, the problem with these issues is it's not just a, hey, I'm creating this alarm and I'm, I have to set this one input field. It's There's so many different things that go into it. So it could technically be that you don't have the correct permissions or you set something else up wrong that 
makes this not work. So you don't just look at that number and you're like, hmm, I must have made a mistake here. You're looking at other stuff like, oh, what else did I break? What chain of events led me to this being broken? So how do you even how do you even troubleshoot when it comes to that? So that one, I just, I actually deleted the old alarm and then recreated the same one. And I kept going through that process probably four or five times. And then finally it just clicked and I looked at what I was entering as the as greater than or equal to and i just felt like the worst feeling in the world it was like why why was i doing this do you know how many times i've done something like that and then i cannot figure it out maybe i go an hour or two without figuring it out finally i get up i go walk around the building or i go to sleep wake up the next day i'm like i sit down oh oh this is it this is so simple like did that does that ever happen to you oh all the time i rarely figure out a problem while I'm actually working on it. Usually it's like when I step up to just like pace around angrily and, and then it'll be like, Oh, I see. And it might not be right away. It's sometimes, you know, the next day or, or a week later that I'll just be thinking about it and it'll be bugging me and, and just pops into my head sometimes. So what's another issue that you've had that kept occurring or that you just had and you scratch your head on for a while? And do you have one? Yeah, so the, so here's another interesting one, um, and when I say interesting, I mean also also kind of silly. Um, I was looking to monitor some of my resources with Config, uh, AWS Config, and none of my resources were showing up. I was, I think I was trying to check uh, something on a security group or something, and in Config you do have to manually set your resources to record, believe it or not. So. <laughs> That one, that one was also kind of dumb. Um, once I realized that, it's as simple as clicking a button. Um, and I'll admit, I did not read the docs on that first, which uh, always read the docs. So what is config, though, if somebody's never used it before since, since I think it's fairly recent? So config, that was, that was really the only time that I had um, tried to use it, but it'll, it'll monitor your resources. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it hooks in with CloudWatch to check, um, uh, let me think of an example that might be an easier way to explain it. So it will make sure that uh, if you're creating a group of EC2 instances, it will send you an alert if one of them is created with a different size than the other. You set what you want your instances to be, uh, for example, and if something does not fit within those boundaries, then it'll give you an alert, basically. We have a security webinar, I think if you Google Linux Academy security webinar or even go on YouTube, you should be able to find it, where we talk a little bit more about config and some of the other services that can kind of tie into that and help you secure your, your infrastructure or even make sure that all of your EC2 instances are configured properly, you know, they're, they're up to date, uh, you, you apply different patches and so on and so forth. So definitely check that out if you're curious to learn more about it. I know that you had some other issues too with... IAM, which no one in this world who's ever used AWS has not come across some of these issues with IAM. Granted, they have made some improvements with uh, you know the, the uh, policy validator, with the generator, uh, di different ways of managing policies as well. But it's still very, um, how do you put it, maybe difficult to actually make sure that you're securing your infrastructure with the way that IAM works. Can you think of some examples where you just scratch your head on that one for a while? Yeah, so dependencies are always a problem. That's that's been the biggest thing that that I've had an issue with. And let me see if I can find my specific example here. It was um, uh, 
with EC2 because the EC2 permissions control a lot of different things, right? It's uh, VPC, uh, your security groups and things like that all fall under the EC2 blanket. So there's a lot of moving pieces in that. And there are a ton of dependencies. Um, here's, here's an example. So you can't create or apply tags on EC2 without the EC2 describe tags uh, action. You need, the, you need the describe tags to actually create or apply new tags. But that's a separate permission. Describe tags is just to list them. So if you give yourself the create tags or modify tags permission, you can still see the tags, but you can't add new ones if you don't have describe, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And it didn't to me, and it still doesn't entirely. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's one example. It's all it's it's like untangling a ball of string trying to figure out where you're going wrong with with IAM sometimes. I don't remember which service this was. This was a long time ago, but I was working on on creating a lab for this specific service. And I, I literally probably spent two days on this issue because the problem is sometimes when you're trying to create a resource or you're trying to give permissions to a resource, the the permissions or the resource or whatever it is that you're trying to create is pulling from a different service. So even though it's not on the service or the page that you're looking at, it might be pulling from a dis- different service, but their documentation does not tell you that it's pulling from that other service. So unless you have permissions to access that other service, you can't complete that task. Yeah, I've run into that a lot um, with, I think, SNS. It happens quite a bit. Uh, CloudWatch, it'll be you'll be on the dashboard for one service, and it might be pulling in uh, resources from CloudWatch or one of those other services, but... If you don't have CloudWatch permissions, then it'll you'll just see the big red error box, mm-hmm. and and that's always really frustrating too. At least you got the the red error box. Like in that specific case I'm talking about, you didn't even get a red error box. It just straight up did not work. <laughs> and you're like, I I've opened up all the permissions for this service. What is going on? Finally, I just had to. I forget how I even figured it out. I think it was just a matter of like. Um, of of giving all permissions to everything and one by one removing permissions until finally, oh, I removed this service, now it no longer works. It's got to be something to do with that service. Yeah, that's that's kind of the approach that I take, only I'll get frustrated. I'll remove one service, then, then start up and remove another service, start it up. And after about 10 rounds or so of doing that, if it doesn't start breaking, then I'll remove like two at a time, three mm-hmm. at a time. And then I have to go back and figure out which one of those, uh, not the most efficient way to do it, but, um, I haven't, I haven't permanently broken anything yet. So <laughs> the, the good news is AWS recently announced that they're going to, or have already open sourced some of their documentation, if not all of the documentation, which means that individuals like you and I can go in and we can create pull requests and we can actually say, hey, by the way, you need to make sure you have this permission and they can add that to the docs. You don't have to wait for AWS to add it in. Because I know they had a, a feature where you could report an issue, like a grammatical issue or a technical issue, and they could fix it and, and had no idea how long it would take for them to fix it. Usually never got feedback saying, thanks for your, your report, we'll fix it. Uh, so it was just kind of a hit or miss thing. Now I think we should be able to contribute to that. So that should be good. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I remember when they announced that, uh, it, was, it was pretty recently, and I like that they're doing that. I'm a big fan of open source documentation. Um, there's a, a lot of different projects do that. And uh, it seems like that's been a theme recently with AWS. They have um, another project, Amplify, 
that I'm a big, big fan of. It's basically a JavaScript library for, it makes it really easy to hook into AWS services like Cognito, for example. You can build your uh, applications and and manage your users with Cognito, things like that. So I, I really like the fact that they're going towards more open source stuff. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and kind of switching the, the topic here, but we're talking about IAM dependencies and how that can be frustrating brought me back to thinking about VPC and VPC dependencies. So I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here for, for a couple of minutes, bear with me. When So on, on some different platforms and for some services on those other platforms, if you create a, a VPC or, or the equivalent and then you create resources inside of that VPC, you can use a force flag when you're deleting it via an API call or even the console. And that will automatically force delete all the dependencies that that VPC has. On AWS, unless this has changed in the last couple of days or a few days, that is not possible currently. You cannot use a force flag for any of the API calls or even uh, in the console, which means that you could have dependencies inside of that VPC that are preventing that VPC from deleting. For example, you could have security groups. Those security groups are referencing each other. So you can't delete one of the security groups until you remove those references, then delete the security groups, then delete the VPC. Or if you have like a, a NIC, or if you have like an elastic IP address that's attached to another service, that service is still running. You have to first shut down that service, then you have to detach the elastic IP address, remove that elastic IP address, then you have to do everything else, then you have to delete the VPC which is a million different calls and takes forever because it could take minutes for that th- for that dependency to, to tear down, like with CloudFront, that takes forever. Is that something that you've run across? I haven't run across that, but I mean, dependencies are always a problem. Probably 90% of my problems are just dependency related. Um, I have hit that in the console a couple of times. I think you're talking about the CLI with the force flag. Yeah, yeah, for one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the console makes it a little bit nicer. It does a little bit of that cleanup by itself, but every once in a while, if if there's a network interface or just some random thing in there that shouldn't be and and it just won't, you have to go in there and and delete it manually. And usually it's on a different screen. It's never like right there for you to delete. And sometimes it doesn't even really tell you what the dependency is. Or if it tells you, it tells you the wrong dependency, so if you, I, I can't think of a, a very good example right now. Um, I, I, like maybe this is might be an example. I don't know if it makes sense. Like if you have an IP address that's associated with um, like a Redshift cluster or, or whatever it is, it will tell you that the Elastic IP address is the dependency. But then you have to go look at the Elastic IP address and see what that is associated with. Then follow that trail. Like it doesn't tell you, hey, it's the Redshift cluster which kind of makes sense from an engineering standpoint, like I understand why that's the case, but from an end user, that could be super frustrating sometimes when you have so many of those dependencies or you're doing something over and over again during the day and you're just like, man, this is this is using so much of my time I could be productive with, you know? Yeah, and it, a lot of that comes back to just the kind of quote-unquote under-the-hood knowledge of AWS because the web console is one thing. I mean, that's complicated enough to know where everything's located and all of that, but Compared to, say, cloud formation or using the CLI, honestly, it's pretty simple. I had never used the CLI too much um, before about three, four months ago. And now that I'm starting to use it, you really start to see how things are hooked together. Um, an example of this, okay, so here's a good example. Um, security groups, you typically think of those as being assigned to an EC2 instance or some other service, You know, maybe a database or uh, something like that. 
but where they actually get assigned is on the network interface that is assigned to that EC2 instance, which makes sense, right? You know, you think about it and the way that it would be built, of course, that's the way that it would work because a security group controls network traffic. But, you know, you might be looking in the documentation for how do I assign a security group to an EC2 instance and it's not there because that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So I would say, you know, personally, I think probably my main sources of frustration with AWS have been around VPCs and IAM. Everything else is, is pretty decent. Maybe some CloudFront stuff just because it takes forever to, to spin up and, and tear down too. Oh, uh, don't get me started on CloudFront. <laughs> but I, I guess maybe we can talk about more of some CloudFront stuff or is there anything else that you've run across that you kind of scratch your head on or anything major like that that we haven't covered yet? Um, no, not really. I think, you know, I'm, I'm talking about you know, my frustrations with this stuff. But but honestly, when it comes down to it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you might spend two days banging your head against a single problem and and it takes you forever to find that solution. But it is incredibly satisfying once you do it. And so every problem that you, that you hit, it really is a learning opportunity. It's, mm-hmm. It sounds kind of corny to say that, but but it is. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm working on this stuff because I like solving problems and and learning how things work. So even though I might go home at the end of the day and be like, oh, this is terrible. I just hate it. I don't ever want to look at AWS again. I'll come back the next day, figure it out, get it working. And it's like, this is awesome that we have built a technology that can do this. Right. No, absolutely. It's, it's such a good learning opportunity. And that's, I th- you know, I personally believe that that struggle is even um, like it, it will make that knowledge stick around further than if you just got it right the first time. Like you click it, you make it work. Oh, great. You feel great. It works. But it, it, you didn't have to struggle to make it work. And so you won't remember it or you won't learn as much from that experience. Yeah. And kind of going back to my uh, simple CloudWatch example. I'm never going to set it to greater than or equal to zero again. I know that. <laughs> I will always remember that. It's burned into my memory forever. And another thing you mentioned that is kind of interesting to me is when I was growing up, we had some technology that was up and coming and you know things were moving pretty quickly, but it still felt like it, it took a while for things to change. So sometimes I still catch myself doing this, but I'll look at it a certain way and, and I'll say, okay, this is how this works and this is how it has to work. Um, but oftentimes that's not the case and that's kind of opportunity that people can seize and even build businesses off of. But a lot of times AWS will fix stuff that I just kind of have taken for granted and say, you know what, this works this way. This will always work this way. This kind of sucks, but I'll get over it versus the mentality of how can we make this better? And this is something that AWS has quite frankly mastered. And I think that's one of the main reasons that they're a leading cloud provider in the world because they're so good at recognizing some of those shortcomings. And they're very oftentimes they're very fast at fixing those. One example of this is we used to have an issue where you um, even though you can limit the instance sizes that somebody can launch with IAM policies, somebody could bypass that restriction by using auto scaling groups because they could assign a a larger instance type to an auto scaling group. And no IAM policy, believe it or not, no IAM policy existed to restrict that. So anybody could, even though they didn't have the permissions to launch that instance type manually, they could launch that instance type through auto-scaling groups, and you didn't really have anything built into AWS to prevent that. And then within a few months, they turned around and they fixed that. So that was, you know, that was pretty impressive and awesome. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of that in using the CLI. 
just updates to the API that I don't even think about. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was trying to get the encryption state of a DynamoDB instance or database. And I think I was two or three patch versions, not even minor versions, but patch versions behind um, the one that it was released. And the encryption state was not showing up because uh, believe it or not, encryption on DynamoDB is pretty recent. I think it came out in February and I just hadn't updated my my uh, CLI. And it just wasn't showing up, wasn't showing up, and I couldn't figure out why and updated my tool and it worked. So, you know, stuff like that, it's it's just a good reminder of how often the API and the, the services change. Absolutely, and that's awesome. So, Phil, anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. Um, I think we covered a pretty wide variety of services. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd be here for another two hours <laughs> if I talked about every problem that I've run into. But honestly, it's a good learning opportunity, and it kind of, kind of reinforces that idea that we talk about all the time. It's just... If you really want to learn a service, get in there and do it. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to probably hate it at times, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I've learned a lot just working with these different services on a daily basis. And that's what we want to help people do. So, yeah, just get in there and do it. And, you know, a quick plug for, for our stuff in here. You know, Phil's working on these challenges that he's he's has sometimes struggled to build because he's run through some of these issues. And we, we recreate those issues inside of those scenarios, inside of those challenges, so that you can also learn from those mistakes. So when we, when we make a mistake, we can actually use that mistake in some of our challenges and scenarios so that you go through that and you, you have to go through that, that hustle of also figuring it out and proving that you can do it or getting the training to fill in those knowledge gaps. And you can really take that and, and learn and remember it, not just forget about it. So, uh, you know, again, thanks, thanks for tuning in. Phil, thanks for sharing your wisdom and thanks for sharing your issues that you've, uh, you've uh, let's see, what is it? Sweat, blood, sweat and tears over? That you've had blood, sweat and tears over. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have to do another episode. I've got plenty of material to talk about. So be sure to tune in and to hear about those other topics that Phil just mentioned. Be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud, on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Also, we have a Cloud Assessments, Scale Your Code, and Pinehead TV channel on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to check out linuxacademy.com and cloudassessments.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yay, 22 minutes.